quoted one passage, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Man, if you can't quote that, you've been in church any time. <laughs> you've heard me read it uh, a lot. I just want to shed a, maybe a little different light on it tonight, not that I'm trying to change Scripture or anything, just point out uh, what we probably overlook a lot of times. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, Paul wrote to the church. It's a good thing to remember whenever you read Paul's letters, I want you to always start at the beginning of the book and see who they were addressed to. Uh, this letter would not go over very well with someone who does not know the Lord. There are things in it we can tell them about, but uh, he's writing this to the church because he knows where their mindset should be. And so there's some things that they should know. And in this chapter, he had been talking about uh, brethren going against brethren and how that was not right. And so he wanted to remind, he wanted to remind these born-again saints what had happened to them. So he says this in verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. A lot of things come with an inheritance. I don't want to miss my inheritance. But in verse 11, he says, And such were some of you. I know everybody's got a past. That's who you were. But you are washed. But you are sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And I just want to uh, talk to us a little while on this. What a wonderful change. What a wonderful change. Let's lift our hands and pray tonight for the preaching of the word and just thank God for the change he's given us. Lord, we thank you tonight for the change that you've given us, Lord, through your gospel, through that new birth. Lord, tonight let us be able to hear what the Spirit would say. I pray, God, that it would remind us of who we are, who you've made us. Help us to strive to be even better than we have been today. Be ready to meet you when you come. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap and some praise before you're seated? Hallelujah. You may be seated. God bless you. Every one of you in Jesus' name. Well, what? A, there's a lot of words in this, that passage of Scripture that I like. Uh, I love uh, verse 11, and such were, were, I love that, that, that word, were indicates there was a change made, that's what you were, but you're not that anymore, there's been a change, what a wonderful change, see, when, often whenever we come to this passage of scripture, people think, well, pastor's about to get on somebody who's doing naughty stuff, and so, they tune it out. Well, I don't hear. I don't want to be scolded and corrected and 
But Paul wasn't scolding or correcting anybody right here. He was reminding them, uh, look, uh, let's just stop and think for a minute uh, because you need to know how to behave. And he says, let me remind you who you were. And he begins to say, you know, unrighteousness and people who do these things, they're not going to have any inheritance with the kingdom of God. They're not going into the kingdom of God. And, and he begins to list things. And I'm sure as that letter is being read out loud in their service, that people are, ah, 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 yeah, that was who I was. That's who I was. And, uh, but then he says, but look, that's who you were. But now you're washed and sanctified and justified and in the name of Jesus and by the Spirit of God, you're, you're different than you used to be. And friend, it's a wonderful change. Because with that verse 11, we realize that we have been changed and made ready for the kingdom. We're kingdom ready now. There's been a wonderful change in our life. We used to sing an old song out of the hymn book. I actually have an old hymnal in my office and I flipped it open and found it, the song, Since Jesus Came Into My Heart. And we used to sing that years ago as a congregational the opening line says, what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. And you know, it, years ago, it seemed like it wasn't so hard for people to embrace that change that was made. It just seemed like, man, that's it. This is what I've been looking for. I'm glad to be set free. We used to sing, he set me free, he set me free. I mean, it's not like all the songs that we would sing about were about uh, a change that the Lord was going to make in our life. Uh, old song said, I would not be denied. And we would sing, as Jacob in the days of old, I wrestled with the Lord. You know, Jacob wrestled until he was blessed. He said, and he left that wrestling match changed forever uh, in his life. And, and that's uh, what we want. We want to change. Or we should want to change. Because if we realize what this scripture is saying, if I don't change, I have no inheritance in the kingdom. And so we embraced the change. I did. But I'll tell you, I embraced the change. I, I, I dropped everything. I, I changed, and it wasn't just me. It was uh, what God was doing in me. But I realized that I could not hold on to a lost life. I could not hold on to mementos of a lost life. I could not uh, keep a, a, a scrapbook of my old days and, and go back and... and uh, Look at the glory days. It wasn't so glorious uh, uh, what, I can, what I can remember from them. Uh, it wasn't so glorious. And so I'm glad that Jesus made a change in my life. And let me tell you, any of you guys that met me after that, whether you know it or not, you're glad Jesus made a change in my life. <laughs> because I wasn't uh, a nice guy. I wasn't uh, a good guy. And I... Uh, I was out for me and only me. And if I decided I didn't like you, I would, I'd cuss you or I'd hit you or something. You know, it's just who I was mean. My mom's going like, I just can't even believe it. She, she would never own up to that. But I was mean. And uh, God made a change in my life. But it doesn't even matter how wonderful a change can be. People just don't like change. Oh, we, we like our routine. 
we you know uh, we 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 want our routine. We we've got our this this down, and we want to stick with that. Don't don't put no bumps in the road. I don't want no off ramps. I don't want no new exits. I just want everything to be the same, so I know how to get there. Uh, you know, I don't I don't want nobody repainting something, redoing something. Just leave it like it is. You know, that's make my coffee the same way all the time. I like my eggs like this. Don't change nothing. You know, oh, you you probably like this. I, I like what I like. Don't change it. You know, that's it. People want to stick with it. The phrase is, the saying is this, is that change, either good or bad, is never easy. Well, some change is easy. I don't know. But even if it's not, change is necessary. It's necessary. And I will say this again, all change is not bad. But you know, even when we realize how much we need to change, we fight it. Even when we realize the lifestyle we're living is not taking us where we need to go, we fight it. Even when we know we're not eating like we should, we fight it. Yeah, we, we, we don't want to change. Oh, the saying is this, old habits die hard. It's, 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 it's hard sometimes to break habits and to get rid of those things and to change. And, uh, but you know, when, you know when we like change? When other people change. Now, that's when we like change. We want other people to change to suit us. That's why we have elections, because we want to change who's in office. Hmm? Yeah, that's, that's it. You know, we, we want, and we want that change so it'll make supposedly our life better. We want, we want our pets to change. Stop using the bathroom in the house. I want you to change. We want our kids to change. We want our spouses to change, boyfriends, girlfriends, we want people, our employer, our employees. You know, we always, when it's not going the way we like it, then we want that change, but we want to stay the same. But change is natural. It's a natural part of life. It's every day. It was day, now it's night. Change. Seasons change. When it turns to fall, it doesn't matter how bad you want summer, summer's gone. Changes the winter. Doesn't matter how bad you want summer. Summer's gone. It's winter. It's change. Our bodies change. But we don't like that. But it's natural. We grow. We mature. We grow. Some of us keep growing. Not growing up, growing out, growing big. We just grow. We eat too much. I do. Somebody asked me today, said, are you losing weight? And I was just started laughing. I said, that, yeah, I said, that little Debbie Christmas tree cake says otherwise. Still had the icing on my lips. Yeah. I said, no. Yeah. But our bodies change. They do. You get older, your bodies change. It happens. We don't like that. We would like, boy, I wish I could be 30 again. We do. You know, you know all these people going, hey, amen. But it must be the older crowd in here tonight. But, but I understand that, you know. You realize that you have to change your routine, change your habits, change how you eat. You need to change so that life will be all right. You know, rules change, laws change, things change. Change happens every single day. I'm glad the Lord stays the same. 
I'm glad that we do have a constant, that uh, through the changes of life, we have something to focus on and look at. It's great. That's what's so wonderful about landmarks. No matter how things change around it, if you can find that landmark, you, you know where you are. And I'm glad we have that solid rock, that landmark. Listen, there is no salvation outside of obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said it is the power of God unto salvation. And so we are not say there's no way to be saved outside of obeying the gospel. But the gospel is a message about change. That's what it is. Uh, in John chapter 3, you know where I'm going. Jesus had a very familiar conversation, familiar to us with Nicodemus. In verses 3, in chapter 3, verses 3 through 6, in the middle of this conversation, Jesus uh, answers, Nicodemus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, that except a man be born again, change. He cannot see the kingdom of God. This is way before Paul wrote what he wrote. Verse 4, Nicodemus is scratching his head. Well, how can a man be born when he's old? How can he change? Can he enter the second time in his mother's womb, be born? How's he going to change? So Jesus says, let me tell you how he changes. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Again, a long time before Paul ever wrote his letter to the church. And Paul did not get his information from this gospel. But Paul said, the gospel I preach, he said, I got it from the Lord. He didn't go, he said, when, I, when the Lord got a hold of me, he said, I didn't go up and find all the apostles and hang out with them and say, okay, start teaching me. It was years before he ran into Peter. Years before he came into contact with them. But he said, the gospel I preach, he said, I, I'm telling you. I got it from the Lord. So Paul is getting what Jesus told him. And long before Jesus ever told Paul, he was telling Nicodemus, there's going to be water and spirit involved. There's going to be a washing. There's going to be a change involved. If you're going to enter into the kingdom of God, there's going to be a change. Paul said all these things that were, that were unrighteous cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And so Jesus said you have to be born again or born of water and the Spirit to enter into the kingdom of God. There's going to be a change. Your change will come through this new birth, through obeying the gospel. It's a wonderful change. Verse 6, Jesus said, just to clarify, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's your first birth. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh. Whatever comes of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Why does that matter? Because Paul wrote, writes later in 1 Corinthians 15 and 50 that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. There's going to have to be a change. Neither can corruption inherit incorruption. There must be a change in our life. And so this helps us see what a wonderful change. What You don't ever have to be like, oh, I just want to rush through verses 9 through 11 in chapter 6 because... No, it should remind you what a wonderful work that God did in your life. It should remind you that he has gotten you ready for the kingdom. You see what a wonderful change this actually is. It's not like, okay, we just want to name everybody's sin. What we want to get to and focus on is verse 11. And such were some of you, but 
you are washed. Well, how are you washed? In the water, in his name, baptized in his name. Uh, he said, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Friend, that is that new birth that Jesus was talking about in John chapter 3. He said, there's got to be a change to see, to enter, to inherit the kingdom of God. And what a wonderful change it is. Friend, you cannot tell me you were happier before you came to the Lord. You cannot tell me life was better before you started living for God. And you can't tell me that you didn't, after you came out of that water and you know how you felt after you were baptized in his name, that, and you remember, whoo, how nasty and icky. You didn't realize it. You ever been just sick and you were sick for a while so you kind of got used to it? And then you got better. And you're like, man, I didn't realize how sick I was until I got well. And it's the same way with that. I didn't realize how awful my life was until he made it better. When, that, when I come out of that water, and that, I, I knew all the sins of those years of the things I had done were, were just gone. I, I came up, they stayed down, and I realized, whoo, Paul said it in Romans 6, I'm now walking in the newness of life. There's been a wonderful, wonderful change in my life that has been wrought. Since Jesus came into my heart. Friend, I'm telling you, I'm thankful today for the change that Jesus makes. Jesus said, I am going away to prepare a place that where I am, you can be also. That's that kingdom of God. That's heaven. That's where we want to go. Well, guess what? Flesh and blood can't inherit it. So there's got to be a new birth. Not a rebirth, a new birth. I don't want to be uh, reborn in the flesh I want a new birth, a spiritual birth, because that's what is flesh is flesh, what is spirit is spirit. So flesh and blood can't inherit it. It's got to be a new birth. I've got to be born again. I've got to be washed, sanctified, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of my God so that I can make it into that place, hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. A change must occur. It's got to happen. But then we must... Live the change. Oh, so many uh, brand new little babies that come into the church never reach maturity. Because once they're changed, let me tell you, when they're baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, they're changed. But if you don't live that change, you got to, I, I, hey, I, we slip, we stumble, we, we slide and fall. We've got to do our best. But we must be doing our best to live this change. Even Paul said in Philippians, he said, look, here's what I do. Just, he, he's telling us, this is how I make it. I forget about the things that are behind, and I press for the mark. I just keep reaching forward and pressing for that mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. And, and I know I have not yet attained, but... I'm still reaching. And, and he said, I'm not saying I'm perfect at all. He said, but this is what I do. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. And I'm not saying you're perfect. But this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to live the change. We're supposed to uh, live every day remembering that I've been washed, that I've been sanctified, and that I've been justified. And even the Christian anthem it covers all denominations 
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. That's change. I was blind, but now I see. That's change. We quote it, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man or woman, any human, be in Christ, it don't matter who you are, care what your past is, I don't care how, you might have a walk-in closet full of skeletons, I don't care. You might have a warehouse full of skeletons, I don't care. Everybody's got a past. Paul said that, such were some of you. Everybody wasn't on the same level. Closet full of stuff, things, history, mind full of stuff. But when you get in Christ, you're a new creature. And the old things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. This is a new life. There's a change. Old things passed away. I've become a new creature now. That means I need to lay aside old things. I need to lay aside old habits. I need to lay aside some of them old lifestyles and then accept the change that God has made in my life and then live by the change that God has made in my life. I want you to hear, hear this right here. The power to change comes from God. The choice to change, to be changed, is up to us. You can't save yourself. You can work on yourself and, and say, well, I don't, you know, there's people that don't believe in the Lord and they, they work on being a better human. They do. They work on being better. Uh, you know, but I'm talking about eternity. I'm talking about saving yourself. I'm talking about getting washed, sanctified, and justified. That, that, that power to, for that change, it only comes from God. But the choice to change or to be changed is up to us. God will not abuse his power by forcing us to change. He never will. He does not force us to change. He offers us. He, he's always offering up. You know, even in our, in our gospel message uh, in Acts chapter 2, Peter's preaching his heart out, and he's preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified, and he finally tells them this same Jesus that you have crucified is both Lord and Christ. And they're pricked in their hearts, and they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? How do we change this? And Peter says this, Acts 2.38 Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Water, in the name of Jesus Christ, there's his name. For you are washed and you are sanctified and you are justified in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and by the Spirit of our God. Before Paul ever wrote to, before he was even on the gospel preaching circuit, <laughs> it was already being preached that there had to be a change. And this all comes from God. Repentance is from God. God granted repentance, the scripture says. Baptism, God initiated that with Jesus. Let us know you have to be born of water because it represents his death, 
We're buried with Christ in baptism. Uh, it's where his blood is applied. He shed his blood for us. It's his. And then the Holy Ghost, it comes from him. It comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus said that uh, if you believed in him, you should receive it. So, uh, But the thing is, is even though all this comes from God, this formula came from God, not from Peter. This is the gospel, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And, and it came from him. The power for the change came from God. But they had to choose to repent and then go to the water and be baptized. That's our part. And then even receiving the Holy Ghost, God doesn't stuff it down your throat. Jesus said it in John chapter 7, and that they that believe on him should receive it. They should. They could. You know, there's a lot of people that believe Jesus that don't have the Holy Ghost because they won't. They should receive it. They could receive it, but they won't receive it because somebody's told them it's of the devil. Somebody's told them that it's not for the church anymore, that it was a one-time thing, and, and people that speak in tongues and, and worship like that, that they're out of the book, that they're out of the Bible, and how can we deny what's been done? And so, hey, Jesus said, I've, all power in heaven and earth is given to me. He, he was God manifest in the flesh. And with all that, he never forced anybody into healing or to miracles or anything. He walked up to a man that had been lame for about 38 years. And he said, will you be made whole? Now, he had the power to heal, and he could have just grabbed him and snatched him up and said, you're healed, without even asking the man's permission if he wanted to, but he didn't do that. He walked up and he said, let's see if you'll take what I've got. Will you be made whole? Well, if you will, then take up your bed and walk. The power to be, to, for this man's change was with Jesus. But the choice was up to him. He could have just laid there. Man, I know I hadn't walked in 38 years. That's all I know. That's my past. That's my history. That's who I am. And unless I get in that water that's being troubled, it ain't going to happen. So you just go on your way. He could have let Jesus go away and never walked when the power was right there. But Jesus told him, take up your bed and walk. Listen, you don't keep living like the lame man after Jesus has done his work. <laughs> he didn't go back the next day and lay down, roll that mat out and say, let me get on back in my spot. 38 years. Friend, when he gets you walking, then you keep walking. When he healed them blind guys, hey, when he gets you seeing Bartimaeus, his life was changed forever. He didn't go back to the corner to beg anymore. I can see. He didn't grab somebody by the hand and say, lead me down the road. I can see. And, if, and, and he's, well, that's in the natural. Sure it is, but it's the same way in our life when Jesus comes in and washes us and sanctifies us and, and he, he gets that sin out of our life. We don't live like we used to live. You don't live like the old creature. You don't live like the old man. You don't live like you did. That's who you were. Such were some of you. You don't get washed from all those things and then go back to it. 
Because then how will anybody know that he did a work at all? How will anybody see that there was a wonderful, wonderful change in your life? Friend, if they can't pick you out of a lineup that God has done something, did we even get changed at all? All of it. The Lord said, look, there's things for you. But he said, seek, ask, and knock. If you want it, seek for it. If you want it, ask for it. If you want it, open, knock. It's there. Such were some of you. Were. You were lost. You were in bondage. You were miserable. You were dying. You were depressed. You were stressed. You were searching for something. But now, you're kingdom ready. What a wonderful change has been done in our life. Peter said, listen, there was a time when you were not, were not a people, but now you are the people of God. There's been a change. And you know what the Lord said about his people? Be holy because I'm holy. We were unholy, but he wants us to be holy. He's the only one to make you holy. You got to have him in your life. You got to have his word in your life. Friend, we need that change, that wonderful, wonderful change. But we've got to live that change. Oh, so many people say, I want something new. Then they don't know what to do with it once they get it. We need to teach people, tell people, remind people hey, there's a life to live. After you're born again. And all these new little babies being born. You think these parents aren't going to be teaching them? Teach them how to, how to talk. Teach them how to eat. Teach them how to walk. Teach them how to read, write. Teach them how to ride bikes. They're going to teach them how to live. Well, a brand new spiritual baby needs to know how to live. You know where a newborn would like to be? Right back there. If that baby, if you, if you could ask the baby and it could carry on, it, hey, what you want to do? I want to get back in that warm spot. I want to get back in there where it, where it wasn't so bright and people wouldn't flipping me around and sticking me with needles. I want to get back. I want to go back. But you got to be born so you can grow. And you got to be born again so you can grow. And you can't go back to what was familiar Baby, that's where you were for so long and it's, it's familiar, but it's not good. The baby can't stay there. Eventually, it will die. It's got to be delivered. There comes a time, God said, it, they can only stay there this long. And then they have to be delivered or they die. When a, a woman's carrying a baby for a long time, that, that baby can start going into distress. Because God said, the time's up. And that's what happens to us. We start going into distress because the Lord's saying, hey, look, today's the day. Now's the accepted time. Time's running out for you. You need a change. You need to be born again. You need to be born of water and of the Spirit. And then you need to live that wonderful change. You need to live that life and not try to go back. Whew, golly, I can't even imagine Trying to go back to where I was. I think about some days 
I just had to quit thinking about it sometimes. I'm like, how, how was it even possible, God, that that was me? What was I thinking? What was I doing? How? Is that even possible? It, makes me, I just, it almost makes me nauseous to think that's the person that you... Such were. I'm glad that I got out of verse 9 and 10. I'm glad I made it to verse 11. Praise God. I'm glad to be in verse 11. Jesus. Hey, it's a wonderful change. Oh, but, the, but once he changes you, live. Live that change. Praise God. You know what the scripture says? Now are we the sons of God. There's, hey, I couldn't say that before. I can say that now. But that's the only reason I can is because there has been a change. People, you know, you know what the crazy thing is that people will resist change. Citing as a reason, a valid reason that they don't have to change is because God loves them. I don't have to change. God loves me. <laughs> There's no argument there. Man, God loves you. You think I don't know that? Sure, I know that. God loves people. He loves everybody. You, you're not, you ain't breaking no new ground <laughs> saying God loves me. I've been preaching that as long as I've been preaching. God loves people. I know it. Believe me, if I, I know he loves people. But they use his love as a reason. Listen, the scripture even tells us it's not the Lord's will that any perish. But that all would come to repentance. And if you don't believe that repentance is change, repentance is a change of direction. Repentance is a change of life. That's, the, that's that, that, that first step, and that, that, that's that death. That's, that's the killing of the old man. That's the crucifying of the flesh, repentance. Even the Lord said in the Old Testament, repent so that iniquity won't be your ruin. Turn around. Turn to me. Change your direction. And so when you start saying, well, he loves me just like I am, I'm going to say, you know he does. But I'm going to tell you what I've heard ever since I've been in it and everything I've ever seen, but God loves you too much to leave you that way. That's why he granted us repentance and called us to repentance so that we would not perish. That's why Jesus said, hey, if you'd like to, you could be born again. That ain't what he said. He said, ye must be born again and except you are born of water and of the Spirit you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It's, it's going to be a change because you've been born in the flesh and, and, and you're born under that curse and that's got to change. We're baptized for the remission of sins past, not future. And so he does love us. John 3.16 tells us, for God so loved, and this is what, the, what every time, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
I can live my life like I want to and just believe in him. You believe in one God, you do well. Devils also believe and tremble. There's a lot of people that believed in God in the Old Testament. They believed in the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they perished. Just knowing him, just believing that he existed is not going to cut it. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. There's going to be some, the power is there. And this is what, so sad is that they, they go all the way to verse 16 and, and don't even read anything else in the book. They've, they've just skipped over the three, three, four, five, and six. They've missed that. But what, in the first chapter, in verse 10, listen to this. He was in the world. Jesus was. He was in the world, the world that he loves. And the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. He was in the world, but he was unknown. He was in the world, just him existing did not save them. And the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And Jesus told, he prayed, and he, he, he made the statement. He said, oh, if you had known at least in this thy day, the time of your visitation, the things that belong to your peace. And he didn't begin to say, but because you didn't recognize when I was here, uh, you know, just him being there, it wouldn't it? It didn't make it happen. He said, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to be the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, uh, which were not born, not of blood, will of the flesh, nor will of man, but of God, of the Spirit. It's born of flesh, it's flesh born of spirit, spirit. Listen, uh, that's what he's telling us. That there was a change that he was there to bring a change, but everybody didn't receive the change. Even on the day of Pentecost, it said, and as many as received were baptized at about 3,000. Those that gladly received the word, they were, when they believed it, when they made the choice to obey it, they were changed. They were 3,000 souls added to the church. That's how they were added to the church. You know who's going to be saved? The church. Not just this congregation, but the church. And that's how they got added to the church. By obeying what he said. I want, I want that change. So God so loved the world, but he was unknown and not received. He loved us and died for us so that we could have this wonderful change. When we refuse this change, we refuse him. I didn't say you, we didn't believe in him. I said we refuse him. You can believe that he's there. Hey, you think Judas didn't believe? He saw him walk on water. He saw the miracles. He went out and preached. The Bible says Judas obtained part of this ministry. You think he didn't believe? But part of him wasn't changed. That's why he could do what he did. Listen. Uh, you know, the other thing is that people say, well, you're, you're just judging people. You know, you're just judging people. And, and, and we know that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Absolutely. I, again, no new ground. 
You're not telling me anything I don't know. Yes, God does look at your heart. And you can't see what's in my heart. I can tell what's in your heart by how I see you live. And you say, nah. The Bible says that we would know a tree by the fruit that it bears. And people don't like that, but it's true. But I can just go to what the scripture says about the heart. Out of the heart are the issues of life. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Mm, that's all scripture. Jesus said, out of the heart proceed. And, and that's where all these things. You know what? He, he talks about things coming out of heart. It ain't good things. <laughs> that's why in, in uh, Ezekiel uh, 36, the Lord said, I'll have to put a new heart in you so that the right stuff will come out. Listen, people will see our heart. Uh, Proverbs 14 and 14 and 14 says that the backslider in heart is filled with his own ways. And so our heart will manifest whose ways we are following. Backslidden people believe in Jesus. Oh, yeah. They believe it. They know him, have known him, have been known by him. But now they've gone back to that old place, that old familiar. Our life will manifest. Why did Jesus call us the light of the world? He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and then glorify your Father which is in heaven. He said, you can't just believe that uh, Jesus can change you. You've got to let him change you. And then you've got to live the change that Jesus makes in your life. We can't just say, yeah, Jesus can change. What is your gospel message if you don't believe in living the change? Is it that grace, grace plus nothing stuff, that once saved, always stuff? I don't have to do nothing. I'm just going to make it to heaven because Jesus died. It's just not Bible. Hey, hey, it's just not Bible. And if everybody in their flesh would be honest, you'd be like, hmm, wouldn't that be nice if you didn't have to worry about your flesh anymore? But we do have to keep our flesh under subjection. And the Bible says, mortify, mortify the deeds of the flesh through the Spirit. Why? Because, they, hey, just because you was buried one time don't mean new ones ain't going to start popping up. That's why we're given the spirit. That's why he didn't leave us a dead man. He said, now i got to give you a spirit so you can kill these things because it's going to keep coming after you because you're going to be stuck in this little shell until another change comes. And you got to have power to fight that. And, and, and there is going to be uh, another change. In 1 John John wrote some great stuff in his gospel and his letters. Man, what a revelation he had. But in 1 John 3, 1 and 2, he said, Behold what manner of love. See, God loves people. And look what that love does. Uh, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. That means there's been a change because he wrote it in his gospel that when we believed on him, believed on his name, that's how he gave us the power to become the sons of God. 
So we've believed in it. We've believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's been a change now. We are called the sons of God. That's who we are now. And so, but then he says, and for that reason, the world does not know us. Why? Because it didn't know him. Now, they knew he was there. They didn't know who he was. They didn't believe who, hey, we know his family. We know his brethren. We, how, how does he have all this stuff going? You know, they, nothing good comes out of Nazareth and, you know, just all this. They, they just didn't believe in who he was. They knew he existed. They could see him. They wanted to kill him. But they didn't get it. And they, the world is not going to understand the change that you're living. And that's all right. They didn't understand it when Jesus was living it. But that's all right. But how did they know there was another way? Jesus just kept living it. Whatever they said about him, whatever lies they told, all the things that they did when they tried him, when they whipped him, when they beat him, when they nailed him on that cross, when all that stuff was being factored in, at the end, that centurion looked up and said, Truly, this is the Son of God. I don't know what he heard about him prior to that. But when he saw what he did, ain't no question about it. This is the Son of God. That was the declaration. It wasn't because of the sign above his head. It was because he saw the sacrifice. He heard the words, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. He, 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 he realized he can't be anybody but who he is. So, so the world won't understand that and they won't know us because they didn't know him. But now listen to this, this verse 2. Beloved, that's the church. Now are we the sons of God. Now. At this point right here. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. Now, I was reading that and, and, it, and it, the Lord just kind of laid this on me and said, you, you see what's happening in the world today and what's happening in my church today is that people have a hard time not knowing what's coming. I want to know what my life's going to be. I want to know what you're going to do for me, God. I want to know my future. I want all the things, that, uh, all these dreams and ideas, I, I want them to come to pass right now. But because they can't see what they're going to be, they stop being who they are right now. He said, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. Don't stop being who you are just because you don't know who you will be. Hello. You don't stop being a kid because you don't know what you're going to be as an adult. So I'm telling you, there's so many people that just sit on their hands and they don't do nothing and they just end up walking away because if I can't tell what I'm going to be, I'm not going to do nothing now. Well, that was all in harmony. Mm. Everybody got that. Be who you are right now. You can be the best that you're supposed to be right now. Yeah, I've used this illustration before. If you took the stages of growth, you could have a baby, a toddler, an adolescent, an adult, and everyone is perfectly healthy. 
they're doing everything they're supposed to be doing at their stage of life. That means they're perfect in their stage. It's a perfect baby. It can't drive. It can't walk. It can't talk. It will. But it's going to be a baby till it's that time. Don't set a baby in the driver's seat and hand it the keys and say, take off. Don't give them to a toddler or an adolescent. They're not ready. Let them be who they are now. That'll teach them how to be what they're going to be. So he, he said, beloved, now are we the sons? Nothing changes that. Me not knowing what God is going to do or what door he's going to open does not change the fact that he changed me, that he washed me, that he filled me. Hey, that means something. When did being born again stop meaning something? Or if I'm not in another country preaching, if I'm not in a church preaching, if I'm not doing this or doing that, then my life just don't mean nothing. Are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? You have been born again. Every time you speak in tongues, that's the spirit of the living God speaking out of your mortal body. Come on, somebody. There's still so many. Has that lost the effect? I said this the other night at prayer. Or, or insert, I've said it the other day. In my mind, whatever. You know, getting, getting older. But, but I know I said this the other day. That we we expect to see that in service, but just because we expect to see that, it shouldn't become so commonplace that it's just like yeah, it don't mean nothing. That's why it's still so exciting to see someone brand new filled the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues because you're like, still works, still happening. God's still doing it the same way that He's always done it. If it was good enough for them, it's good. It's good enough for us now, and so. You don't stop being his child. Your change was real. But just because he hasn't opened that door of ministry or he hasn't uh, brought this the certain thing to pass in your life yet, that doesn't mean you're missing the mark. It doesn't mean that you're falling behind. Just be that born-again, Holy Ghost-filled Son of God. Live that change. Be a light. Let your good works be seen. And just live for God. Be, just be the light of the world without having to have a card. You know, just, just be the light of the world without having to have any titles on it. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to be reverend. You don't have to be pastor. You don't have to be missionary. You, just be His. Just be the child of God. That's what I want. And just because you don't know what will be in the future, don't let it stop you from being who you are right now. Be who you are. You're powerful right now. Hey, long before Peter preached on Pentecost, Jesus was sending them out with them other ones, just like everybody, two by two, go on in this town and preach. Heal the sick, preach the gospel. Come back and tell them what happened. He was just like everybody. He didn't know Pentecost was on the calendar. He didn't know what he was going to be. None of them did. Hey, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. I don't know what that means. but So right now, I'm a follower on my way to a fisherman. You know, that's, that's all he knew. So he just walked on water, got rebuked. <laughs> you know, he had all kind of neat things happening. 
but he still stood up one day and preached because what a wonderful change had been made in his life. And I'm so thankful. But here's, here's now i got to get to the second part. But, even though we don't know what's, what we shall be, but we know this, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So we live the change that is now as we await the change that's coming. Because guess what? There's another change coming. And it's more wonderful than this one. <laughs> I'm telling you, the one that's coming, this one, it don't hold a candle <laughs> to what's coming. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul wrote about this. 1 Corinthians 15 and 51. He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be. Oh, there's another change coming, the most wonderful change of all. He said, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. There's another change coming. A great change. It's that change as we enter into the kingdom of heaven. As we enter into that place that he went away to prepare for us. And so there's another change coming. We've got to be changed to get to this change. Because if that same spirit that raised Jesus up dwell in you, then we're going to be raised up. We've got to have that change so we can have this change, the one that's coming. If you won't get changed now, you won't get changed then. I don't want to be caught in, uh, I don't want to be stuck in my flesh when, when that trumpet sounds. I want to be ready, ready to go. And, and I know I'm, I'm running that right on 8 o'clock. I, I thought I'd gone a lot longer than I thought. Brother Philip, if you'll come on to the music. And you can stand with me across the room. So I know I'm not going to focus a lot on the change that this next change is coming. That's coming. What we've got to do right now is pay attention to where we are now. And be, beloved, now are we the sons of God. And you're only that because of a change. But now let's live the change. Let's live like Jesus did something for us. And let's, what, what a price was paid. And just because, we, we, I know it was grace and great love. The Bible says, for the great love wherewith he loved us. And God commends his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I know it was all about his love and his grace and his mercy. It does not take away the extreme price that he paid what he went through, despised and rejected, how he suffered, how he was tortured and, and mocked and, and beaten and, and, and nailed to a cross, humiliated, and he died painfully. He died in agony. And so I don't want to, I want to I live a life that's worthy of that sacrifice. 
I saw this movie one time. I couldn't watch it but once. It was because I couldn't handle some of it. It was just, whew. But I don't know if you've ever seen Saving Private Ryan. And then at the end of the movie, when it's later and they're in that cemetery, and, or it's before that, he's, uh, he tells that guy that they, Tom Hanks is about to die, I think, and he's in the, the last, uh, Pr- Private Ryan, I guess, was there, and he, he, he's looking at him, and he's, you know, Tom Hanks is dying, and, and, but he, he leans in his ear and he tells him, you know, because all these other guys died to make sure he lived. And he was telling him, he said, make sure it's worth it. Live a life that was worth it. These good men died to, to make sure you lived. And so make sure that the sacrifice is not in vain. But the best man ever died on Calvary for us. Let's live a life that shows, oh, thank you, Jesus, for what you did. I couldn't, I couldn't fix the damage that was done. He had to die to do it. I couldn't, I couldn't fix my mind. I couldn't fix my heart. I couldn't get that stain off my soul, but he could. So now I've got to live the life as worthy of the sacrifice, as worthy of the price he paid. You know how valuable he thinks you are that he would give his blood. He said, it won't be silver or gold that you're redeemed with, but it will be the precious blood of Jesus. Uh, So the power for that change is God's. But the choice is up to you and I. So we need to make a choice and let God make the change. Psalm 119 and 59 and 60 the psalmist said I thought on my ways and turned I thought about where my life was going what direction I was headed in and I realized this ain't the way to go so I turned my feet unto your testimonies I didn't drag around and I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. The Bible says we are born again, not by corruptible seed, but incorruptible, the Word of God. What a wonderful, wonderful change. Would you come and find a place in this altar to pray tonight? The power for God to change your life is here tonight, but the choice is up to you. If you hadn't been baptized in Jesus' name, why not tonight? If you hadn't repented of your sins and said, hey, I'm going to turn. I'm I'm tired of the direction I'm going. I'm going to turn. Why don't you come and and just honestly repent tonight? God, I'm sorry for where I lived, for the way I lived. I'll turn my life around, God. If you need the Holy Ghost, it's here for you tonight. Let Him fill you with His Spirit.
your hands across the room and just love him for a moment hallelujah that's it just love on him for a moment let's just be thankful to the Lord right now be thankful for the change yeah hallelujah thank you Jesus Amazing Grace was written, 
I heard a song that said his grace is still amazing. And uh, I hope that's the way you feel, that it hasn't lost any of its appeal, that his grace, it's still amazing. It's still, I hope that you can look back in amazement like I do sometimes and think, I don't know how you did it, <laughs> but I'm just glad you did. Praise God. Aren't you thankful for the change that the Lord makes? Give him a hand clap. Hallelujah. Lift a voice of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What a great God we serve. Thank you for being in Wednesday night service. And man, I tell you, looking forward to Sunday. Lord, don't come get us. Hey, make sure you're living that change. So if that next change comes between now and Sunday, you won't be the only one showing up. <laughs> I want to be there. Praise God. Hey, man, I love you. The Lord loves you most of all. And let's be here Sunday ready to worship the King. Amen. God bless you tonight. Be safe. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.